Hi, it's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines, subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our reporters take you behind the scenes of some of the biggest stories from the campaign trail to the halls of Congress. Just for our Inside the Hive listeners, save 15% on a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair with promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off one year of all you can read, watch, and hear. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok, and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. You want to do it? Let's do it. All right, you start. No, you go first. Welcome to Inside the Hive. Come on, you got to do it with a little... Inside the Hive. It's a Thanksgiving special with... Emily Jane Fox. And Nick Bilton. We're going to talk about everything. We have so much. We are going to talk about more in one hour than most people talk about in a month. I can't imagine. We're on like a, a Trump timeline today. Yeah. All right, where should we begin? Turkey? Giuliani? Bloomberg? Aren't they all the Ukraine? same? Ukraine? <laughs> I feel like let's start with Bloomberg because once we get off on Giuliani like that, my blood pressure starts to raise and then let's end with Turkey to bring it all back down. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. What do you think about Bloomberg? So I yesterday was with a um, a democratic political operative person who works with people in the, I'm not, I I don't want to give away who the person is, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Someone high up in the world, someone high up in the world who, who, who interacts with all these people on a daily basis. And, and I, we were talking about it and this person said that in their opinion, it's either going to be Buttigieg or Bloomberg. Why? I'll get, I'll get to why in a second. Well, we can get to it now. So here's the theory that is floating around. The theory is that um, that you kind of – that you have this moment where you in, – in today's cultural climate with always on media and social media and so on, we get bored very quickly of, of pretty much everything. And, you know, if you look, like it was in the – back in the day, it was like Kamala Harris is going to be it. And then it was like – and then uh, I'm making hand motions here of my hand going up and down like you a hill. Yeah, they're amazing hand motions. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then it was – we go through all these different people, right? And Warren, I think, the peaked a little – early, honestly. Like, I think that people are kind of getting a little fed up with, with the, you know, they've gotten fed up with Kamala, they've gotten fed up with Warren. Now. You realize all these people you're saying they've gotten fed up with are women. Well, I was just about to say this. They, now you had that moment happen with Buttigieg, right? So, and I don't, this isn't in the order it happened. I'm just going through the names that are floating around in my head. And um, so you have Buttigieg. It was this incredible excitement. And then there was this article this week talking about, very negative things related to Buttigieg and African-Americans and, and so on. And I think that what Bloomberg has done that is ingenious is he's just like, eh, let me let these people scrap it out and I will come in with my $4 billion at the very end and, you know, stand on the dead bodies and be the winner. And And I think that, you know, one of the problems I think that we have in 
the in the Democratic Party is that everyone wants their person and it's like, well, if it's not that person, it's no one. And, you know, and I think that, you know, the Bernie bros could screw this whole thing up um, very easily. You know, Bernie peaked too and had a heart attack and now has, has dropped. And I think that... Wouldn't that co- be nice if that happened to Trump? <laughs> not that he had a heart attack. I wouldn't but want that for anybody. Like, but if he peaked. There was, yeah, yeah, there was, I, there was, totally, there was some sort of... M- Event. We know that the president went to the hospital last week. Mm-hmm. That didn't change. Can we his not support. call him the president because it makes me feel icky? Well, it's just let's just accurate. call him. Let's call him call him the Donald or something. Okay. So anyway, so uh, he. So I think that as a result of of this cycle that we live in now, this twenty four hour news cycle, which is compressed down to to minutes often, um, that you you have a you have a, a moment on the stage and then that's it you're done and we get bored and we're, and we're on to the next thing and what trump is so incredible at is like spinning the plate and saying look at me i'm still on the stage i'm still on the stage which is what 99% of his tactics are all about and i think that you know what was fascinating is i saw the bloomberg ad and i was like really like that that's impressive like he looks like a, a very impressive Human being, they all do, but there's something about Bloomberg I think that that really stands out. My belief is that he actually could be the one that makes it. It's so funny. I have a lot of I've a lot of thoughts about what you just said and about Bloomberg in general. Uh, the waiting to the last minute is very interesting to me. I think Joe Biden had tried to do that, but he tried to do that. Oh, I see. Six I totally forgot about Joe Biden. Yeah, isn't wait- that amazing that well, he's not even is, in my head? This is the problem for Biden in in someone like a Bloomberg and sort of a problem for someone like a Buttigieg in someone like a Bloomberg because he is the moderate answer to the Sanders-Warren wing of this primary process. He's got so much money that he could send all of the rest of these guys into oblivion. Uh, so I think it's an interesting strategy to wait for everyone to duke it out. I don't know how much that's going to work by just trying to get all the Super Tuesday delegates. I think that there's a reason why the first few primaries are important. There's a reason why Iowa and um, South Carolina and New Hampshire, they're important and they've been important for a very long time. I don't think that any candidate has successfully blown those off and then just won Super Tuesday delegates and just had a time of it. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's going to work. It's an interesting strategy. It's so interesting because a lot of the wealthier, higher educated people that I talked to and have talked to about Bloomberg since he announced his candidacy or since it was floated a couple of weeks ago have been super excited about it because I think he is a less problematic answer to Joe Biden. I think that people feel like you know, Joe has some real skeletons in his closet. He's slow. He doesn't seem sharp on stage. He's now rightly or wrongly wrapped up in this Ukraine scandal. And uh, people have been piling on to him since he, he jumped in. So I think that that Bloomberg sort of answers the Biden question in a more resounding way. But then you have... I just feel like it's very out of touch with at least half of the Democratic Party who are supporting Sanders and Warren. He is the exact opposite of what these people want. And so you may have these wealthy, rich, coastal people who think that that Bloomberg is the answer to the problem. Then you have everyone else in the party who is like, this guy is our worst nightmare. Well, but here's the problem. And, you know, somebody had, I saw someone talking about this on Twitter this week. Um, uh, Dylan Byers from MSNBC was saying how AOC was like, he's just another billionaire. And and 
Byers was like, actually, he's not. Like, sure. he has he's put millions of dollars behind trying to change uh, the, the gun issues in America. You know, he's he, there's a million things that he has done that is not just another billionaire. I mean, he he, he was a public servant too. I think uh, to to varying degrees of success. If you de- depending on who you ask, who's lived in New York when he was mayor, uh, and he made some decisions that I think were great, and then some decisions that I think have irreparably damaged New York City. I have a very funny Bloomberg story. Oh, great! Let's I've do always it. wanted to save this for writing, but I'm going to spoil my let's own. Let's do it. Let's, I'm going to scoop my Thanksgiving special. This is this is truly a special, and it's holiday related. I once had a Passover Seder with Mike Bloomberg. Okay. I believe it was in 2012. Um, it was at a fellow billionaire's private Passover Seder. Uh, you say fellow billionaires and you're actually a billionaire? And you well, have... here's hoping. Okay. I met Mike Bloomberg, but I'm going to put it out into the world. This As is my a... secret moment. Yep. You know? uh, so it was at a, a, a fellow to Bloomberg billionaire's uh, beautiful home. And around the table was um, Mike Bloomberg, who was mayor at the time, Barbara Walters, Steny Hoyer, Katie Couric, Bon Jovi. John Mark, Bon Jovi? John, the one and only. Wow. Mark Ronson, the musician, DJ, producer. Um, and then people like me who were basically the help. Um, <laughs> Here, Mr. Bloomberg, would you like some chicken soup? <laughs> so this is funny, funnily enough. Uh, this Passover Seder was unlike any Passover Seder I'd been to for 50 billion reasons, but it was, a, I think, a seven-course meal, which is not how the Fox family has Passover Seder. It's <laughs> lovely, but this is not quite it. Um, and Mike Bloomberg called ahead of time to ask what was being served, and I don't think it pleased him. So while everyone was served, you know, we had soup course and salad and whatever else. Uh, While everyone else was being served the normal meal, Mike Bloomberg just got a different fruit course. Wow. Every time. So like one time he got tropical fruit and one time he got melons and one time he got berries. No one acknowledged it. I noticed it because I I think it was in journalism school at the time. So I was a reporter and I was like, oh my God. Oh, Fran Lebowitz was there. It was a night. There was like this major Powerball drawing. It was the biggest Powerball drawing in history. And uh, Fran Lebowitz made a very funny comment. She said, I think this is the only table in America where people aren't talking about what they would do if they won the Powerball drawing. (laughs) It's probably true. Um, but Mike Bloomberg got seven courses of fruit because he called and requested that. And I thought it was a very interesting thing. I don't know what it really well, means about him, but it was, I still think about it all the time. It's a real power play. I was, I was into it. I, I think it's a thing with billionaires. I was at a, uh, a dinner at Peter Thiel's house and it turned out not to be a dinner. It was cause he was not really eating at the time. There was like a platter of sushi and some chocolates. I ate a lot of the chocolates sure. and I rem- I was sitting kind of to the right of Teal, and there was about thirty people in the room. It was like all the big power players from 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 Silicon Valley. This was years ago, and I remember watching uh, Teal had these these like um, servants, if you will, assistants. I don't know what they were that were that were constantly around him, and he he had this little glass of champagne that was sitting on a little table right behind him, and he took the champagne, reached for it, grabbed it, and um, and drank it and finished it, right? And then put it back down. And behind him, uh, one of his assistants switched out the glass for a new glass of champagne Why in the exact they just same spot. It? What's that? Why wouldn't they just refill it? Maybe because he doesn't like the noise. I don't know. But they switch it out, and Peter Thiel reaches back a few seconds later for the glass, 
knowing in his mind that it was once empty just a few seconds ago and grabs it and starts to drink, doesn't look. He doesn't, it's like almost like he knows that his glass well, will never be he, empty. He asked for that to be the case, but it is, these things are just a wonder to me. Putting that aside, sure. I do believe that my worry all along, look, I think in in an amazing scenario, I do think that, that you know, a Warren or a Bernie Sanders is actually what we need in this country. I, But that's my own personal belief. And I think that there is a large majority of the country that does not believe that. And I think that unlike the Republicans that want to jam their, their feelings and theories down everyone else's throat, I think that we should actually have a conversation with other people about what it is that they do want and need. And... Um, and I don't think the country is ready for that far left viewpoint. I think that it's it, the next generation, um, it, you know, maybe in two, three election cycles from now will be, but right now it's not. And and I think that my worry all along has been a Warren. I do believe Sanders could have beat him if he hadn't have had that medical condition, uh, could have beaten Trump. But I think that a Warren might be too far. It's just too extreme in, in some respects. And um, And I think that, the goal right now should not be to change the world. It should be to beat Donald fucking Trump. I agree with that. I, I think it's very tricky, right? Because you have someone like a Warren or a Sanders who turns off, who completely turns off the entire moderate wing of the Democratic Party and all independents. Like, they just won't vote for them. And uh, the most important thing in this election cycle, I think, is turnout. And so if you have a huge part of the Democratic Party and all independents saying, we don't want to vote for the Democratic candidate. We're not going to vote for Trump. We're just going to stay home. That's a huge problem. That's what happened with Hillary Clinton. And you're repeating the cycle over again. But at the same time, there's a very large, very motivated, very passionate wing of the Democratic Party on the far left that is, so we're not even far left anymore. And kind of like the center far left uh, who's supporting people like Warren and AOC and Sanders. And uh, it's very tricky. I don't know what the answer is. Which, do which that, do you ignore? Do you think that, um, look, could someone, someone like a Warren, I have said this on this podcast before can attract Trump voters because Donald Trump was elected, not because he had specific policies. He still almost three years into office has no policies. People love him because he's a change candidate. People love him because he's promising to make their lives better in a drastically different way, saying, we're going to do this differently. And so that's what I think people are turned on by, by Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, because they're saying, like, we will do this in a way that's different. We will help you disenfranchise people in this country, not on the coasts. I don't know that Mike Bloomberg says that. And so you're not speaking to not only a large part of the Democratic Party, but swaths of Trump voters who could be swayed by someone saying, hey, Obama didn't work for you. Trump's not working for you either. Here's another direction. Well, that's, I mean, that's the history of American politics since Reagan. Like, exactly everything right. is a complete polar opposite of well, the next Well, that's because thing. of the way that our country has, or our world has globalized and the economy has changed and jobs have disappeared from the U.S. that will never come back. So until you have boomers basically die, we're going to have these crazy swing elections. Okay, Boomer. I'm I'm squarely a millennial. <laughs> you should know that. So I I think you're completely right. That being said, I have as someone who has spent time with some Trump voters, quite a few of them, I don't see them changing. I don't see them 
it's I think that they're the people that you the only way you win this election is by getting those people that voted for Obama to come out and vote. You have to motivate you. Ha- you have to. It's turnout. It's going to come down to turnout. My- he won by seventy eight thousand votes in three states. The problem is nothing has moved in those three states. Yeah, and I think that the question is: is there's a theory that you know Bloomberg could 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 win Florida? Maybe um, Trump is now a Florida resident. He had a rally there on Tuesday night that was a homecoming rally. Was a homecoming rally. It's I, I, uh, don't get me started. A, I mean, look, don't. that was a fascinating little move. You have to give him credit. It was just a very smart strategy. It's People a super in New York hate him. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually found it really interesting. Uh, the first lady, Melania Trump, had a Be Best event yesterday, and she got booed. Booed, I know. Which is well, pretty I think remarkable. That that, I think that what's the booing, you know, I had DeRay on the podcast a few weeks ago, yeah. and I was saying, like, is it right to boo, or is it not right? And he said, it is absolutely you should be booing. Like, there's no, like, we're going to go high in these moments. Like, you have to let them know that you disagree with their policies. And I think what's fascinating to me is that the where the booing is happening and it is happening at places that were traditionally predominantly voters who would have supported Trump and now are booing and like i that think UFC that UFC fight in yeah Manhattan. UFC fights it's not it's not a huge democratic group of people it's it's not a lot of warren supporters there you sure. know well that's why he went there because he thought yeah. he would be welcome and i think that um the question i guess that i have is and you know it's to be determined depending on who the democratic nominee is and i'm curious what your viewpoint is here is does trump realize that his the way he's doing things right now is not working and he changes a little bit or is this just who he is till the till the end what do you think what do you mean by change so like you know he's he his attacks against the media right no 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 that works for him it works for him but it's but if he if he says okay why are these people booing and it turns out that they're booing that he wants people to boo he is a reality TV show producer. He understands that any kind of controversy makes for good television, that it will get covered. Anyone talking about him is a good thing, even if it's talked negatively. I mean, I don't. I know that he has a uh, temper and hates when people don't like him, but it's fuel to his fire, and it's it's um, for his base that he is able to say, "See these people? They're trying to take me down." I'm here for you guys. I'm going to endure all this booing, all this uh, hate and vitriol that they're spewing at me. I'm doing this for you. They don't want the changes to happen for you, but I'm here no matter what. So I think he uses it. Is he going to change? Uh, I don't think that, that the aspects that you're talking about are going to change because they work for him. But I think if he feels like something is not working for him, he is a, a true survivalist. But what do you think would he would realize is not working for him? If for some reason... Uh, polling on gun issues changed, for example, when his base, I think he would adopt a different policy. Uh, I don't think the temperament will change because I don't think that that will ever be different for him and his supporters. I think there could be specific policy things that he would shift on because he believes in nothing. So he's much more willing to to bend on that. But I, I don't know that I see any of that happening. He is, um, he really is a, 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 an awful human being. I mean, I just, I. <sighs> You're listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. The 2024 election means this year is going to be chock full of drama and nail biting suspense. 
You deserve a politics and news podcast, expert analysis, no spin, no BS, just trusted journalists talking about what you need to know. I'm David Plotz, and each week on Slate's Political Gab Fest, I sit down with the New York Times' Emily Bazelon and CBS News' John Dickerson to do just that. Join us as we unpack the latest in politics, news, and the courts. Listen to the Political Gab Fest every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How is your social battery right now? Is it bursting with energy or drained? How do you recharge it? Have you ever reflected on those questions? Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Hive today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Hive. I want to move on to Ukraine and, and the impeachment hearing and get your viewpoint on this. I, um, I've been kind of watching it as if I'm drinking castor oil. Like, I, it's like, I'm like, oh God, here we go. I'm going to, I'm going to watch a little bit of this now. And I, I, it's a lot of theatrics. It is interesting. I do think he broke the law, but my worry is it may play out in his favor. What is, what are your thoughts uh, there was a new poll that came out on Tuesday that said 50% of the country supports impeachment and removal, 43% doesn't. Obviously, a breakdown on party lines completely the way you would think it would break down. Now, I know that a year into the impeachment hearings with Nixon, I believe only 57% of the country supported impeachment and removal. So there, there is this thought that there is time for that to swing. But the Democrats are moving this through really swiftly. I think that they said that they were going to expect a report shortly after Thanksgiving. I don't know that it's going to help him. I don't believe he's going to be removed from from office for this. I think the House will vote to impeach him and the Senate will not. And I think it will just be a blip. A blip. I'm happy. I'm so happy it happened. Even if it moves nothing. Even if it moves voters in the direction of Trump. I'm so happy that it happened. This is how democracy is supposed to work. So I agree with you. I just don't want it to help him in any way. And I think that the Russia investigation was not handled in the way it should have been handled. It was it was an all or nothing thing, and it in turn ended up helping him. Do I believe that he should have been removed from office from that report? Without a doubt. And I, do, I think that most people who were involved in the investigation believe that, with the exception of Barr. Um, I just think that he's... You know, I think at the end of the day, we look at him and we think he's a fucking idiot. And he's actually not. Like, he may be a fucking idiot when it comes to being able to spell properly or, you know, understand foreign policy or remember what the capital of X country is. But when it comes to strategy, I mean, I think he deserves credit for the strategy of of getting Brett Kavanaugh in office, I mean, in, in the Supreme Court. I mean, I think he – there's a lot of things that he – he has done that are pretty expert. And well, there are, there is, this is the, the reality. The, the Republican party is just better. Like they are just the most effective political better. party. And so it's not Trump. It's partially Trump. 
But it is the Republican Party. It's yes. the Republican machinery. Trump has no one around him and no political know I'm not giving him any credit for that strategy of Brett Kavanaugh. He executed it by just not getting in its way. But I'm not giving him credit for that. Fair enough. Okay, but the the party, his ability to uh, to stir up the media and control them, totally like. In, in a way that I've never seen anyone be able to do before. He whips stuff up. up. He, he gets something in front of him that is well-planned out, well-thought-out, strategized in a way to benefit the GOP, and then he whips it up. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, when you look at, at what you just said, the Republican Party is way better. It's, it's, you know, we are going to end up in a situation where no matter who is the nominee for, at, the, at the convention— um, in in July is it? Um, mm-hmm. uh, we there will be so much sulking and infighting and bickering and and Bernie Bros and Warren Bros and these Bros and all these and like the GOP. It's like yeah, well Trump's our our guy. Like but last cycle there were eighteen people who ran. It's and true. There was a but at the end of the day, of infighting with Trump. I mean, at the end of the day, the person who who is their horse, they are betting on that horse and they are voting for that horse. And I think what we do is the complete opposite. It's just constantly, well, that, I don't like the, the horse's mane or I don't. It's a thinking party. It's a what? It's the Democrats are a thinking party. I know. They should be a feeling party. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you think, so do you think that it's, here's my question. So the report comes out from Ukraine, um, it's still too TBD to see if Trump actually decides that he will be a witness, which I think would be quite. I would love it. Quite I comical. Would bet appendages that it will never happen, but I would love it. But don't you think he would like it himself? No, no you don't think so. Oh, I think I think mm, no, because I think he knows that it would be bad for him. And at the end of the day, he's a cockroach and will do anything to survive. He's a cockroach and will do anything to survive. This may be the title for this podcast. Um, You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> although I do think that a good a good idea is is the battle of the mares because I think this is going to come down to Bloomberg versus Buttigieg, but that's a whole separate. Cool, I like um, that. I like that too. So um, here's the question. So the report comes out. He he maybe he goes and he sits in front of the committee. Maybe he doesn't. Irrelevant. Uh, the House votes. Impeach him. Yay. We all cheer. It gets the Senate. So you have all of these senators who it's a majority Republican and they, a lot of them I truly do believe do not like him. Right. We've, we all have heard like, you know, they, and they could still pass their agendas without him, especially with Pence in office for a certain period of time. Do you think that there's a chance, just a slither of a chance, that it gets to the Senate and the Senate's like, you know what, McConnell, the slime ball, is just like, let's just let's just get rid of this guy and we'll no. get. You don't think so? No. Why? They have put their bet on this man. They have doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down. He's still a winning guy to have in their corner. He, it just works yeah, for well, them okay, right now. Well, okay, let me now. push back on if, that. It, look, I know that there were, there were elections last month. Was it last month? Earlier yeah, this month? It was some, some period of time Earlier recently. Earlier this month. In, in Trump no dog years, it was like 75 I, years I ago. Truly, but this, this last four years have, has erased any concept of time. I believe it was earlier this month. Uh, and, and counties and districts and states that 
should have gone red and have gone red for a very long time flipped blue and especially in places where Trump campaigned and really tied himself to races. And so for a minute, I was thinking and a lot of other very or a lot of people who are smarter than me were were thinking, uh, you know, maybe maybe this is the moment where the GOP says, well, let's let's move on. Like, let's vote to impeach this guy because tying ourselves to him, which has been the thing that has kept them supporting Trump for so long, isn't working. I mean, I grew up outside of Philadelphia in the suburban counties there, and there those are big, important counties in Pennsylvania. And the the five uh, counties that really matter, not only do they all go blue this time around. Uh, there was one county, Delaware County, straight down the ticket went blue, which hasn't happened since before the Civil War. Wow. Like, that's a crazy but so that's, thing. Now, but Mitch McConnell, who whose state went blue, which hasn't happened since Mitch McConnell grew his fourth chin, <laughs> <laughs> is, is I mean, he's got to be like, hmm, this is not good for me I and agree. my slithery they're all, techniques. They're they all doing this math. Their math is just better than our math, and their math has not said yet that this doesn't work anymore. So there's no chance, or there's a slither of a chance? I'm going to put it at 0%. If I'm wrong, um, you, I will, I'm willing to do something very embarrassing, but I really don't think I'm wrong. You'll have to do the ads for this podcast. For, for perpetuity. <laughs> for the end of days. <laughs> um, so, so you think that it gets to the house, and then that's it? It's done? Yeah. And what does it do? What does it do for the uh, for the election? I'm is not it- sure it does anything. I think it. I think it's uh, it nets out at zero. Got it. But like, I feel really proud. I felt really proud to have watched those public servants testify last week. I thought it was yeah, it was very cool, an incredible moment. I I called my sister and I said I have a niece who's nine, and I said have her watch Fiona Hill. It makes me really proud to watch her. It actually made me really proud to watch. Um, Nicole Wallace, who I, who's a friend of mine and is an anchor on MSNBC, and uh, watching her kick butt, and watching Fiona Hill kick butt, and all these public service uh, people who have who've been uh, doing incredible things and, and sacrificing so much for our country get up there at great personal expense, and uh, knowing that they've been threatened and uh, picked apart by the most powerful man in the world, and doing it anyway, made me feel like. There's a lot of good in this world, and there's a lot of things. That is, these are teachable moments that make me feel proud to show children and saying that we stood up for the right thing. So that, I think, is a positive. Do I think politically it's going to change anything? No. But I'm happy that it happened. You are listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now. Moving gears a little bit, when you... Think about the election in 2020. How, who do you think is going to be, how do you think it's going to play out? Do you, one theory I've heard, and I'm curious what you think, is that, you know, it could be Warren, it could be Buttigieg, it could be whoever. Um, but depending, let's just pretend it's Warren for five seconds. 
Um, or let's pretend it's Bloomberg or Buttigieg and they pick Stacey Abrams or something like that to be the VP, I'm right? obsessed with Stacey Abrams. A lot of people are obsessed with Stacey mm -hmm. Abrams. Um, and I would love to hear more about that for a second. But do you think that Trump cuts Pence loose and gets like Nikki Haley or something like that as his VP? I mean, she's certainly vying for that role. That v book vying is a very polite. Was, was a thing to behold. Yeah, she, she. I mean, what are some of the things she's done this week? She, I mean, just defending everything. Saying that the him. president doesn't lie, that he's incredibly capable. I mean, there's there's only one reason that you're you're groveling in such a way, and that is to get on the ticket. And it's something that I know people in in the president's world and people who are big voices in his ear have floated to him. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. I also wouldn't be shocked if it didn't happen. P Pence brings the evangelical community in a way that's very important to him. And also with so much up in the air, you have impeachment, you have all these other things. Don McGahn may testify now. Like why upset the apple cart a little bit? It, it's worked for him. It's working for him. Why do anything that's risky? Though I think if, if you're going to replace Pence with anybody, Nikki Haley is your safest bet. Do you she think is beloved. Yeah, no, she truly is. Beloved. Yeah. Um, I have spoken to Democrats that, that think she's amazing. Look, I think she's a very capable woman who served in a lot of different important roles. Uh, my opinion of her has changed dramatically since she had this book come out. Uh, to see someone being so obsequious to someone who we know is what our president is like is, is really alarming and startling and makes you question any good thought that you had about her. I, I wrote a piece this week about um, Tim Cook and how he is getting all these tax cuts because he is spending time with Trump. And, uh, and, it, and it makes me really angry that we're not angrier about someone like him or Nikki Haley or something like that, uh, who is using this as a for their personal gain and irrelevant of all the negative things that are happening in society as a result of it. It's human nature, but it's the most disappointing part of human nature, right? You want to do anything that you can to benefit yourself or your company or your children or whatever it is, or your community. But it's just it's just wrong. And at some point you have that urge in human nature and then you say to yourself, this is just whatever benefit I'm going to get, it's not worth it for the greater good. And I think that sometimes when you have highly successful people like Tim Cook who have made decisions that are not always necessarily based on morality but, and more based on money, money, uh, they're more used to making that kind of calculation. And it's harder for people like you and me who have basically devoted our lives to making no money to to do what we do and bring truth to people and tell interesting stories. It's harder for us to understand that. The thing about Tim Cook that really pisses me off is that I actually truly believed he was a good guy for a long time, and maybe he still is, and he's just got sure. some, some weird stuff going on. But he has his company has reaped the most benefit from Trump's tax cuts um, and uh, billions and billions of dollars, and the money has gone into mostly, almost exclusively, to corporate buybacks so that the the tax cuts which is what's happened with every corporate sure it's hard to, it's hard to i mean apple is such a huge company and a huge u.s company and their money is so staggering but every company is doing it every ceo but this is, is the part that the part that's so frustrating is that uh trump touts how well the stock market's doing that does not it's not indicative of how well 
Middle America is doing. Well, the vast majority of this country has no stake in the market. Yeah, I think it's like 8% of Americans have some stake sure, in the market. Sure, sure, So, I mean, when people, Ivanka Trump is the person who touts that the most. She, she just every day is like, the market's at a new high. It's, it's like, I that actually, is great for you, lady, who made $82 billion, million dollars last year. Um, but that, that does not impact the rest of the country. That is not, a, not an indicator that's going to matter for most people. So at this, at this Tim Cook event in Austin last week, Ivanka was there. And sure was. And I like, I, what, is, what is her deal? She lives on a different planet. This is the way I think about it now. I've uh, obviously over the last I, four years. She looked like a is, fucking robot. Like, she literally looked like somebody had wound her up on the back, like, put a couple of new batteries in, and, like, they were updating the operating system, and they walked out of the room halfway through, and she's, like, that's who's now walking around this planet. She just operates on a completely different plane. So, it's it's really, uh, it's a thing to behold, and I think about it a lot, because something crazy will happen, an impeachment hearing will begin and it will be so damning for her father and then she'll be posting 15 pictures from this apple event and it's like you realize what's happening in the greater universe and then i have to talk myself off of a ledge and lower my blood pressure and i say to myself she is making a she has made an active choice to not pay attention to anything that doesn't serve her and to devote her entire life to creating this completely walled off universe that's distinct and apart from reality so that she looks like she's the princess of america doing all of these wonderful things creating all of these wonderful that's jobs that's a great way to put it that she looks like she's she, she it's like a saudi arabian princess she, she's she's a, she's a ro- they're the royal family that's what her role is do you think that she will eventually run for office i don't think that she's going to i mean i wouldn't say never say never i don't think she's going to be the one who runs for office who do you think it's going to be jared I think, jared um, no, 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 no way no 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 you no, think no, it'll no, be no. don I think Don Jr. will run for office, and I think Lara Trump will run for office. And do you think they'll win? Yeah. They have a big following, don't they? Lara Trump is, I would put my money on her. As what, a president? No, she'll run for Congress. So we're stuck with the Trump family for many, many years to come, this no matter what happens? This dynasty is our dynasty. This is so awful. So awful. All right. Giuliani, the weirdest human being on planet Earth next to Ivanka, Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump, and a few other people. What a thing. What's that guy's deal? Well, it seems like... I mean, he just... I can't tell if he cares or he doesn't care. I can't tell if, like, he's smart or he's stupid. I can't tell if he is strategic or... I would say strategic is not, not the way I would describe him. This is a guy who spent his life devoted to public service in a real way, right? in the SDNY, as mayor, who made no money, right? And he was just desperate to finally make money capitalizing off of his proximity to power and the connections he has made. And so he was doing stupid and reckless shit at a level that is beyond comprehension, but he was doing it to make money. I mean, there were reports out this morning or last night. It's hard to tell in Los Angeles what when things come out. Uh, but, but there was a report saying that not only was he doing this shadow State Department on behalf of the president, but he was also just trying to make money personally from his connections in Ukraine at the exact same time, which is insane. But if you think about this man who's never made money in his life and has worked his ass off, and he finally, finally had all these connections to crazy foreign money, that I think explains it. 
And do you think that – so he said this week um, he has an insurance policy when it comes to Trump. Was that just to him bloviating or do you think he really does I have – I mean these guys all tape each other. All of these – all of these people in a crazy way. This is one of the strangest features of Trump world to me, but I've seen it 12 times in the, in reporting for my book and reporting for Vanity Fair and all kinds of reporting I've done. All these people who think that they're friends, who think that they're lawyers and who think that they're confidants, they all just fucking tape each other. It's so crazy. It's crazy. I've seen it from so many different angles from people you wouldn't expect. Uh, people who are best friends well the part that's the part that i think is so amazing is like and you got this tape for from michael cohen it's it's at a point in time when everything's great it's not like they're taping each other when shit's bad they're taping each other when like he's you and know it's not just cohen that's the thing it's yeah. like cohen knew he was doing dirty shit on behalf of the president and so he was taping him as an insurance policy i know people who have come across in the in the context of my reporting who have taped people who are their best friends for no reason. I have something to tell you. I'm taping this right now. I, I actually, <laughs> the funny thing is like there is a recorder on the table. I'm aware of that. <coughs> Sorry, I couldn't. But I, I feel like you, if you were to tape all of our no, normal it conversations, bizarre. it would be bizarre. That would be incredibly weird. And that's what goes on in this world. These are, it's just a world of very distrustful people. No, it's, it's. And they have good. To, to be honest, they have good reason to be distrustful. Of course, you out with scum. They're right. They're you, they're right to tape each other. But you're. But I, it it it's just a little bizarre that you are you know making payments for the president and you're you're doing this shadow government and this that and the other and you're. I, it's just. I don't know. I have a hard time understanding how these well, it's people. So work. far from reality. It's so far from reality. It really. But it's it's, it's or. Time. You know, it's interesting. I had Errol Morris on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, You're such a name dropper today. No, I'm just, it's, people can go back and listen. It's not a, <laughs> It's not name dropping for any other purpose than uh, to try to get those numbers up. Um, what, what he said that was fascinating was, I asked him, you know, you've interviewed Steve Bannon, you've interviewed, you know, McNamara, all these people that have done very big and essentially bad things, some worse than others, of course, um, Rumsfeld. And I was like, what is your, what's like the big takeaway from all of this? And he, he was saying that, that when you think about these people, what he, what he, what keeps him up at night and what he thinks about a lot is that is the version, you know, th they're sitting down with him for 20, 30 hours, telling them every, telling him everything on camera. And it's, it's really bad shit. You know, it's like real weird justifications. Like Rumsfeld said, you know, like, you know, about Vietnam, like, eh, it was like, we, you know, we, we, you do some right, you do some wrong, like that one we shouldn't have done. Like, meanwhile, tens of thousands of, of American kids died and, and Vietnamese too. And to just talk about that like that, like if I, you know, stepped on my dog's paw, I'd be like very sad for a few hours and so would my dog. But the fact the, what he said that I found so terrifying was that he's you know these are people that are admitting to these evils they do and you you walk away and you think is this the worst of it or is there worse and like when I look at these people like the Giuliani's and the Trumps for for this stuff to leak it's it, it's a big it's got to hit a pretty high bar and it's like is this the worst of it or is there way worse stuff going on. You know, people have been saying this for a long time, and I think about it, I mean, I, I thought about it a lot with Cohen, and people always still ask me, like, 
is there more there? More is in his brain or like, in... Do, there's got to be so much more, so many dirty things that we don't know. I think in the case of Cohen, like, we know everything that there is to know for the most part. So part of me thinks, like, usually when the worst leaks out, that's the worst. And there are, there are minor things that we'll never know about that are still bad, but they're not the worst. But a man like Giuliani, that guy is like just swimming in secrets. Swimming in secrets, it it and and very sketchy ones at that. I would just, I would just love to dissect that brain. Sure. All right, so it's time to switch gears. We're going to talk about Turkey. Thanksgiving, baby. Thanksgiving, and who just arrived at this very moment as we are decided to talk about this? Lee Eisenberg. Who? Welcome back to the show, Lee. Thank you. I couldn't stay away. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you guys making for uh, for Thanksgiving? It's our first time hosting. Yeah. Lee's whole family is here. Yeah. We've got... Will you guys talk politics at, at, at Thanksgiving, or does it not happen in the Eisenberg uh, household? I would say it's it's... Politics are around, but they're not a feature. Yeah. I would agree with that. And is there are there any Trump supporters in the is in any Eisenberg Trump supporters? I think you'd have to go pretty deep into the Eisenbergs to find the Trump supporters. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a table. That's not first generation. <laughs> this is a table of like-minded individuals. So, so I have a problem. I'd love to get your feedback. My sister wants me to spatchcock my turkey. And so there's a big spatchcock movement in the It's a huge right now. spatchcock movement Please happening across America. To spatchcock the, the, the great part about a spatchcock turkey is you can actually cook a 10-pound turkey in 45 minutes. I'm a little nervous. I've never done it before. If I screw up the spatchcocking of the turkey, what do we do? Well, you can have the butcher spatchcock. Well, I already bought the turkey, so I'm going to have to oh, spatchcock. You're <laughs> it's over. You should. <laughs> I should just back out yeah, and back do, out. A, do a normal turkey. There's something presentational about a turkey that just feels... Like the spatchcocking, I get it, but you could you could make that argument for lots of things, right? That there's something there's something satisfying about the time that it takes to do something, as opposed to it's true the speed. It's true. I uh, I love the act of the time. I like to make my own breads, and you guys have seen me with my coffee machine. And what happens with this coffee machine is a wonder. It is a wonder. I'm actually. Yeah, do you want to hear something cool? I'm going to. No, not baristas. I'm gonna go into. I'm gonna do a barista competition. I've decided next can year. Can we come? Yeah, of course. You guys can cheer me on. I'll lose. I'm going to lose, but I've decided. I enjoy do, doing it so much that I'm gonna like set a little goal for myself to enter a competition I next love year. This. I'm very into this also, but I have so many questions. What <laughs> what sort of disciplines are uh, are tackled in the barista competition? Uh, I don't know. I do think a lot of it is to do with latte art. And uh, the other <laughs> night, I was laying in bed and uh, had my. Uh, computer on and I had my headphones in and I was watching video and I, I think like the Bluetooth got disconnected and my <laughs> wife looked over at me and she was like, what are you watching? And I was like 45 minutes into like a <laughs> pouring technique video explaining like the molecules of the milk and everything. It's pretty fascinating stuff. I really enjoy doing it. I would show you guys some of my coffee making skills, but I don't want to disrupt the audience here. I feel here. like pass, hard pass on that, but I'm really excited for you. Thank you. You guys yeah. will come cheer me on. Um, uh, what else is on your menu? You'll decide what to do with the spatchcock. Okay? I'm probably not going to do the spatchcock. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do a. Um, I'm going to you make brine your turkey. I don't brine it. I brined it before. I just don't feel like you can really tell the difference that much, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do. I'm going to use the big green egg. Uh, I'm going to make some uh, some roasted smoked vegetables. 
uh, with some pomegranate on afterwards. I'm going to make a pomegranate um, lamb dish where you cook you you cook lamb legs in um, pomegranate juice, like palm juice, with a bunch of different herbs and things like that for like five six hours. I'm going to make a lemon olive oil cake. Um, I'm going to make. Are you guys getting hungry? I'm just now starving. I'm going to make a um, uh, a potato gratin with uh, Gruyere cheese on top and a couple other things. I don't want to keep going, but I it's fun. You know, it's like Lee and I have talked don't about you? this, and then my sister's making um, our the, the world famous chocolate cake that we make. Your sister's an incredible cook. Yeah, we we come from a family of cooks. Yeah. So, and you guys, what are you doing? It's a hodgepodge. It's, I would say it's very traditional. So yeah. there's turkey stuffing, creamed spinach. Mm. Uh, I had a creamed spinach as a lady. That was, I felt like it was missing. Lee, Lee's <laughs> feeling very emotional about the creamed spinach. He's not getting a lot of support from me, from his brother. People, but People are probably listening to this, if anyone's still listening, and they're like, wait, weren't we just talking about Giuliani? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's probably listening to this while I can do, they I can do, do a tight hour on cream spinach. <laughs> <laughs> we got the Vidalia onions. It's be a mix of heavy cream and uh, whole milk. Um, I have a question for you, Lee. Uh, have you been uh, Have you been paying attention to the news lately? Have you been watching Trump and all this stuff? Sure. Yeah. I, I, do you think that? Uh, do you think he's going to win? Where, where are you right now? With do this? I think he's going to win again in twenty twenty? Yeah. Do you think he's going to make yeah. a comeback? You do. Yeah. You still do. Mm-hmm. What do you th- do? You think there's anyone? You don't think Bloomberg can beat him? You don't think like? I don't think there's anyone on the Democratic side that I, I. The only to me, he could implode, but there's no one on the Democratic side that is emerging as like a thing. Well, he listens to me as a as a doom and gloom prognosticator a lot, and I feel like unfortunately it's wearing off. It is. You you don't think he's going to win? Still, do you? No, Trump. Yeah, I think that there's with all, with almost certainty. I think he's going to win. Really? Yeah. Oh my God! I can't believe I had you on the show today. <laughs> I w- you really think he's? I think that I there's hate a to chance. Tell your soft barista mind this, <laughs> but this is just the reality. My soft barista mind. What? I mean, what do you see? How do you see it playing out? I just think that I, I, there's, a, I have a little bit of hope. Look, I don't think that. I don't think he will lose because the Democrats are going to pull off some magic coup. I think that that people are. You know, it's, I have a friend who I was speaking to last week, um, and I said I was just talking earlier before you got here about um, about how certain people don't suffer the repercussions of Trump and the things he, you know, the relationships and so on. And I said to a friend, like, why aren't why do certain people get like screamed at and other people don't? And and he said, you know, it's like year thirteen of the Trump administration right now, and like my fucks to give are so depleted and. And I think that I don't follow Trump on Twitter anymore, even though I probably should for my job, but I just can't deal with it anymore. And I can't, and this is my career, right? This is what I do for a living and I can't do it. And I just, I hope that there is a huge swath of America who feels the same way. There's going to be those 30% that will literally blah, blah, blah him for, doesn't matter what, they'll vote for him. But I feel like, as you said earlier, Emily, 78,000 people in three states were the ones that tipped the vote. And I just kind of hope that 79,000 people are like over it. And In the right states that have the right number of delegates, it's just math. It's just math. And, and, I, think that, and I think that there's a big part of me that hopes that that turnout will change. Do I think that Trump is going away even if he loses? No way, Jose. Like my theory, 
and I'm curious what your theory is. My theory is that this like whole thing is it's all an attention game and that he's going to do Trump TV after or something like that. And we're going to have to live with him until long after he's dead. Um, but I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think not only will we have Donald Trump after he is out of office, whether that's in a year or in five years, but I think you will have Don Jr. run. I think you'll have Laura Trump one. I think you'll have Ivanka Trump on her throne in Palm Beach. And so I think that the dynastic version of the Trump American royal family will continue on after he's out of office. Okay, so... Can I can I ask you one final question? Yeah, absolutely. Because we're talking about some stuff that seems sad and uh, annoying and depressing. But I would like to ask you both, both of you men, what you're grateful for. Oh, that's a great question. Mm. Lee, I'd like to start with you. <laughs> I'd like to start with Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for listening to Inside the Hive. <laughs> Uh, I'm grateful for a lot. Um, I'm grateful for my kids and my wife and my family and uh, more than anything. I know that sounds like it's like the typical cliche thing, but I genuinely uh, am. And I'm grateful uh, for you guys coming over here today. I'm grateful for my coffee machine. (laughs) (laughs) You just keep paying us that podcast money. We'll be here anytime. No, mostly my, my, my family, I think is, is the thing I'm most grateful for. And, um, uh, and that honestly, that, uh, that the world didn't end this year yet. I'm pretty grateful for that. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, that, that enough people are also grateful that that didn't happen and, and vote in another way. I'm also, you know what I'm actually very grateful for? That Ruth Bader Ginsburg is still alive. Bless her. I have an idea for a movie. Can I pitch it, Lee? Sure. Here we go. Ready? Weekend at Bernie's with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So she passes away. I'm not kidding you. She passes away and her clerks have to keep her alive for like an important vote. And that's my movie idea. It's a totally fine idea for a movie that uh, a script was sent to me. No way. Not with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but that I think it was in it. One or two Supreme Court justices are, are uh, die, and their clerks keep them alive weekend at Bernie style. Is it funny? Um, I think that it needs a little bit of work. Um, <laughs> Wait, let's... I ended up passing on the material. But if I... but This was sent to, this was sent to me a month ago. Oh, great. Well, it's a great idea. Whoever wrote it, <laughs> good job. Could, you guys could collaborate. We should collaborate. Yeah. Uh, all right. Lee. Lee, what are you grateful for? I am grateful for uh, friends and family also. I'm grateful for my girlfriend. Uh, I am grateful for... My, my coffees? I don't drink coffee. Oh, God. We have a coffee-free house. That's, this is just, Not dramatically, just, you know, we're, 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 tea, we're tea people. That's ridiculous. No one should be a tea person. Everyone should be a coffee person. Get off your high horse. Keep going. Sorry. Um, I like the... I am grateful for the level of engagement that people have. I think that when people like Trump are around, people get fiery in a good way. And I like that people talk about how much they hate him and how frustrated they are and that this is not who we stand for, that that's kind of part of the rhetoric. Um, And so I'm grateful for that. I'm not grateful for him. Um, And I think that's what I have so far. That's good. Emily, you're up. Um, She's going to kill us. (laughs) <laughs> She's going to win the great really, competition. This is really where I thrive. Uh, this is where I live. I am 
I feel like I have a lot to be grateful for this year. I am grateful for for the kindness in this world. And thanks. That's a wrap. <laughs> Bye. Um, oh, sorry, I'm grateful for the kindness in this world. Um, I am grateful for journalists who work really hard, even though people attack them all the time. I'm grateful for public servants who have stood up at great expense to do the right thing. You knew you were going to ask this question. You had a better answer no, than I, all this of is us. On the fly, ask Lee. Okay, I keep going. All, keep we, going. We keep going. No, this is great stuff. Time. This is really good stuff. Meanwhile, I'm all I'm grateful for is my coffee I'm machine. So but keep going. I'm grateful for my parents, for my grandparents who came to. I had surgery this year. My grandparents came to New York to visit me, and that Aww. is like the best thing that's ever happened. I'm grateful for my sister, my brother-in-law, my niece and nephew. Um, I am incredibly grateful for Lee, who mm. I think is the best man I know. And I have to end this with being grateful for Nick Bilton, oh. who introduced the two of us. Oh, that's true. Oh. That is true. So I thought she was going to end with me, and then she moved on to you and <laughs> kind of stole my thunder. Well, and I'm grateful to anyone who's still listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, this is the personal stuff. This is, where, this is where people are like, oh, this is the real Nick Bilton. <laughs> this is where people are like, we're all just weeping what over f- here. What happened to the show this week? <laughs> <laughs> And with that, I will say happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and thanks, folks, for, for joining us this week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Spatchcock away. Spatch, I'm going to spatchcock. Doing right. it. Thanks to my guests this week, Emily Jane Fox, and for that little few-minute cameo by Lee Eisenberg. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. That's me. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a really nice review while you're there, especially given that it is Thanksgiving. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thank you, of course, to my sponsors this week, Spotify, New Yorker, and Sakara. Please support them the same way you support this podcast. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll, we'll see you next week. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at the New Yorker. So join us every week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.